Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 441. No music today, no oh my, like none of that. Uh, my voice is not feeling great. My throat's not good. I need a lot of throat lozenges and cough drops probably after this. I'm not 100%, but I today's episode, um, it's the last day of the first week of 2022. Hey, happy new year. Welcome in. Uh, I want to do something fun this episode, which, you know, the goal of today's show is to just kind of look back at the past, look back at what last year was, 2021, go through some of my favorite moments. And then also I've got, I think, 10 inquiries from the audience sharing uh, their favorite moments uh, of last year. And we're going to have fun just celebrating what was 2021 and looking back on the weird roller coaster of a year. It was actually year two of the Rona, which... Um, you know, it, it, 2020 and 2021 have blended together, actually. I was thinking about March Madness, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they didn't. I'm like, wait, they did have, did they? And they did. You know, I just forgot what happened and how much they all blended together. It feels like it was, last year was March 2020, and no, it was actually March 2021. Like, it's been a whole second year now of, of the Rona. Um, and I obviously don't want to talk about that this episode. I've already said more than I probably wanted to. Uh, but yeah, today we're going to talk, I have, I have nine, I've got, 13 sports things, then three, like, things happen in the show, and then 10 inquiries and uh, comments from the audience on Patreon, all about my my favorite and your guys' favorite moments from 2021. I want to start with something that is, um, it's silly. So the curtain behind me, the curtain is back. And in 2021, early on in the year, before I moved to Hawaii, I had this really cool thing where... When a coach would get fired, I'd make a curtain. Like, the, the thumbnail was really cool because it was a curtain kind of closing on the coach. And it, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Bill O'Brien. When Bill O'Brien got fired, I did this awesome thumbnail that I'm really proud of where the curtain was, like, closing on his head. And his, his eyes were, like, peeking out of the curtain like, no, don't fire me. And I, I want to bring that back. Uh, and that leads me to my number one. I don't know that it's my favorite moment at all. But it's definitely a very interesting roller coaster, and uh, it's a it's a bizarre moment from 2021 last year, which is that Urban Meyer came and went in the NFL in one year. He became the Jaguars head coach. I remember not feeling good about Urban Meyer, and I am not gonna say I told you so to anybody. I'm not gonna do anything like that. But I certainly remember um, not feeling good about Urban Meyer getting hired by the Jaguars, going like, ah, I don't know that he's going to work well in Jacksonville. And Jaguars fans really believed in him, were excited about him. A lot of them were. Um, although, I'm not going to fault you guys at all, because if I had a favorite team I'm a fan of and I wanted them to win, I would choose to be hopeful. If they hired a new head coach, I'd be like, oh, awesome. Like, I'm so glad we got this new head coach. And I would want to choose to be hopeful and excited and believe in the guy rather than immediately day one be like, he's a terrible hire. So I don't blame anyone who believed in Urban Meyer, but he was a train wreck, man. From start to finish, from the training camp, uh, from trading guard to Minshew, after giving him a bunch of first-team reps and kind of wasting everyone's time, drafting Travis Etienne, um, in the first round, which it might have been a good pick. It's hard to know if that was a bad pick or not, but he certainly didn't make any impact this year because he got hurt, and then they also didn't need a running back, so was he going to be a receiver? It was very bizarre. Um, 
there were so many moments along the way. He cheated on his wife. He didn't fly home. He hired a bunch of assistants that apparently he hated all of them. Uh, you know, I don't know how you can hire. Imagine if I hired like an editor. And then all I did the entire time was go like, dude, my editor is so bad. He's awful. Screw that guy. Like, you know, and blame my lack of success on my assistant that I hired. Like, come on. That's that's not Urban Meyer, not him. And he t- did not handle losing at all. Urban Meyer lost a preseason game and freaked out at people like, oh, my gosh. And, and then he, he apparently kicked, uh, you know, <laughs> he kicked the kicker and it's like, Oh, just uh, Urban Meyer screamed of a guy who had always had people doing whatever he said, following his orders, treating him like a dictator. And the NFL, that does not work. You know, players have their own money and their own agency and want to be talked to differently. And I think Urban Meyer, if anything, really, really showed how vastly different it is to be a head coach in college than it is in the NFL. You're dealing with people in a different part of their life in a with way more um, agency and way more say over what happens in their lives. They have their own money. They have their own lives. They're adults. They're men. In the NFL, no one's really looking for a leader to be their mentor. Like They're like, dude, I'm doing my own thing. Let me Help me win football games. That's what I care about. And in college, you, you recruit and you are much more uh, of a salesman trying to convince parents that you're the right guy to guide your son into manhood, right? And um, I think actually, if anything, I want to credit, I think we're going to talk about Nick Saban a lot here, actually, in this episode, but uh, I think about Urban Meyer's failure in the NFL and then look at what Nick Saban is doing in college football. And he is navigating a new reality in college football, which is the name, image, and likeness era where you can, uh, you can, pay college players, essentially. And that's going to change your relationship with a player who, when your quarterback's making a million dollars in college, uh, they have a different relationship with you than before. And, and so far, one year, and only one year in, but so far Nick Saban has very gracefully made that transition from a guy who was a, you know, I don't think he was ever a dictator, but a guy who was rigid and had to be listened to and my way of the highway, I think we're seeing him slowly become a little more flexible and, and saying, like, you got to listen to me. If you want to get to the NFL, you got to listen to me. But also um, being open and working with guys who are making money. And let's talk about that. So two things about Alabama. Let's just lean into them. Alabama won the national championship in 2021. That was January of 2021. They beat Ohio State. So this time last year, you know, on Monday, we have the national championship again. Again, Alabama's back. We got Georgia a year later. But this time last year, Mac Jones, a quarterback we're going to see in the NFL playoffs, is going to be one year removed from winning a national championship. This time last year, he was in college. Now he's in the playoffs in the NFL working with – he went from Nick Saban to Bill Belichick. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and I remember just that was a dominating win for Alabama uh, beating – Ohio State and Justin Fields. Justin Fields, by the way, in that national championship game, I remember him being amazing. I remember him just shredding Alabama and putting up a hell of a fight, even though they lost. I remember Justin Fields played very, very well in that football game. Uh, let's stick with college football, then we'll go to the other championships that happened last year in 2021. Uh, college football instituted 
new rules regarding the name, image, and likeness. You can now get paid for that. So we've seen players starting their own clothing brands and selling apparel and signing sponsorship deals. And I I love that, by the way. Like, I, I think it's – and it, it was also it, – it's funny how um, I think in a weird way – so I, I call it the Rona because I don't want to get demonetized. And I think rules are changing where I can say – the word it really is, but I'm I'm trying to stay monetized, monetizable on YouTube. And I, if I say the Rona, I don't get the little CDC stuff, and I, dang it, I probably just got it there. Um, but I I'm trying to, as much as I can avoid controversy with that, uh, and not from you guys, the audience, but from YouTube, the overlords who um, do not allow me to monetize my videos if I say the wrong thing. Um, now, I actually think the Rona helped make this happen because when you had families who were you know, parents who were unemployed, people lost their jobs, it's a, an economic uh, crisis in America. And when you have all these problems going on, it's really hard to tell kids, hey, you can't make money to help your family from Bojangles who wants to pay you to talk about their, their food, their nuggets or whatever, right? Uh, I don't even know. I, I've seen Bojangles sponsor a lot of athletes. I still don't know what Bojangles is. Never, I think it's a Southern thing, never been there. It's on my list, though. I will someday go to Bojangles. I drive my van over there, have some Bojangles, probably in South Carolina or something, and that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, we're seeing this new era in college football where um, Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback, had a great year. He beat Spencer Rattler, who was the, one of the Heisman Trophy frontrunners going into the year. He took his job. Mid-year, Caleb Williams became a star, and Caleb Williams is absolutely a future, in my opinion, number one overall pick. He's like the most – he reminds me of Kyler Murray. Like he's going to be a star in the NFL, and I'm very excited for the rest of his career to play out. He entered the transfer portal. And what that means does not necessarily mean he's – he's not necessarily leaving Oklahoma, but it means he's listening to his options. And one option apparently got offered a million dollars from – I would – I will believe it's Georgia. I think it's Georgia, but there's apparently one uh, SEC-level program. I don't know if it's confirmed it's Georgia, so I don't want to – if it is. You know, but I, I, I'm convinced it's Georgia who said, we'll give you a million-dollar sponsorship if you come here. And th- what that means is – and that's what I – it's crazy what's happening in college football because um, you get a sponsorship from not the college, but from someone who's a fan of that college saying, you know, if you are a – Georgia fan, you run a small business, and you're like, hey, son, come to Georgia, and if you sign with the school I'm a fan of, I'll give you a million-dollar sponsorship, right? Like, so fans of a team can now help with recruiting to that team. It's very interesting, and I, uh, I'm, I actually like it. I don't I see any problem with it. It's College football's never been fair. It's never – it's always been insanely, like, it's the – Three or four same teams every year at the top. Usually it's just Alabama and Georgia, and usually it's actually just Alabama. And Georgia will rotate in every couple of years. But um, it's going to further the, the – this will further the divide between the Georgias and Alabamas of the world and the Central Floridas, sure, I guess. Um, but I, I tend to side with the players who are getting paid. I'm very happy for them. These are guys who, you know – they only get paid in the NFL, and you're putting your body on the line in college football a ton, and nothing's guaranteed. You could tear your ACL, 
and never play it down in the NFL, but have an NFL caliber career. Like if Caleb Williams, who um, gets hurt next year and tears his ACL, at least he made a million dollars potentially and, and secured himself some money that he can walk away from after college. So did it ruin college football? I, I understand the argument. Although I would always, I've, I've always been more of an NFL fan because again, college football is incredibly unfair. Like you build, you recruit the best players, and then have all these teams that are stacked against regular teams, and it's like, come on, this is like, it's a little bit nonsense. But um, it's still, you know, college football is way more about recruiting than than uh, schematics and talent, and um, and maybe maybe then then schematic coaching, right? Like. Uh, your coaching is keeping your guys focused and preparing the game plan and managing up people and recruiting. Where in the NFL, it's all about having a better game plan than the other team. And the parity is way closer in the NFL. So I love the NFL. Uh, but college football, NAL, we're always going to look back on 21 and go, that's the year where college football players began getting paid in earnest. And I like that it's – if they're going to get paid, I like that it's through a third party and not through the college directly because, look, man, how do you – how does a college determine how much every player makes? Like, maybe they make a base salary. I like that. But then, you know, a star quarterback should make more money than a third string right guard. It's just that's true. Your starting quarterback is your star and part of what makes you a lot of money from the football program. So rather than making the college deal with that, rather than making the college figure out a pay scale for like star players versus not and having contracts, just, hey, it's very clear. If your notoriety demands a lot of money, then you're going to get Instagram sponsorships and stuff like that. And that is the most uh, – I think that's actually the best way to pay guys, frankly, um, because it's they get paid based on how well they're known the same way any other Instagram influencer would. And I, I think that's that's perfect. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. I, I really like that – I always felt bad for college athletes that the rules were different for them than for someone like me who – if you know I get sponsorships and make money and – why can't they? Like, they have way more followers. By every metric that makes you an Instagram influencer, they're way bigger of an influencer, quote-unquote. But they weren't allowed to operate like one. So I'm glad to see guys like Spencer Rattler, like Caleb Williams, like Keaton Slovis getting sponsorships and being able to operate like an Instagram influencer, which now they are. Uh, Also, last year, Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl. Not one, not two, not even five or six, but seven. Went to Tampa, and in year one, won a Super Bowl. February 2021. Who was the halftime show? I remember the halftime show being bad, but I don't even remember who it was. Maybe it was the weekend. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. I think, I think it was, and I think people loved it. Um, I, it's, the years literally have blended together. I don't remember last year versus two years ago. Like The last two years have just been all one long combined year in my head. So I don't remember the halftime show from the Super Bowl at all. But it's just remarkable what Tom Brady did. Going to a team that didn't make the playoffs the year before, stepping in to become their starting quarterback, and winning a Super Bowl in year one. Uh, Now, I think Tampa was waiting to win. Like, they're a team that reminds me a lot of what the Denver Broncos were this year, which is a team that has a lot of the right pieces. They just need the right quarterback and maybe a better coach. Tampa had the coach. Tampa had the talent. They just had the wrong quarterback. Jameis Winston threw 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in a 16-game season. That's awful. Can't happen. So the quarterback was holding back Tampa. Brady recognized that, went to a place where he could win, and did win. And I think part of the story is that you got to credit 
Tom Brady for going somewhere where uh, he had a really good shot to win. Like, that's good decision-making by Tom Brady. And I remember it was a good game, too, the way they beat the Chiefs. And I, you know, I just had a really good time. And I was, I thought it was pretty cool to see Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. And I'm a massive Bill Belichick fan. So I would like to see Bill win one without Tom Brady as well. Like, my dad is all in. He's like, he wants Tom Brady to win another one this year. And I'm not, if Tom Brady wins number eight, I'm not opposed to that right here in 2022. But I really don't care. Tom Brady's won enough. Enough that he's a legend forever, the the best quarterback, in my opinion, of all time. And um, the guy, now that Tom has won one without Brady, it's proven that it was, you know, Brady didn't need Tom. But I want to see Bill win one without Brady. So Bill can say he also didn't need Tom. Like these are, because in my opinion, the Brady-Belichick debate, who's better, who's more important, has always been, well, they're, they're both the best ever at what they do. And when you combine two people like that, what you get is incredible, incredible results. Six Super Bowls together. And Bill, Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady today without Bill Belichick. That's just a fact. So um, I'd like to see Bill Belichick win one without Tom. So Bill can get some of the respect and notoriety that he deserves, in my opinion. Uh, Also last year in 2021... And the NBA Finals were really fun. We got the Phoenix Suns against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, ah, uh, I, you know, I really enjoy the NBA playoffs. I, I'm not, it's like, this, it's January now, and I'm just not interested in the NBA right now. Football's happening. Football's basically a full-year thing. And I don't get that interested in football until, like, right as the playoffs start, maybe a little bit before, uh, kind of the lead-up to who's going to get in, who won't get in. That, that wild-card hunt is really fun. Uh, you know, the, they get it, the securing of the eighth and seventh seed in the every, you know, east and the west is really interesting to me. I like that. But otherwise, I'm like, ah, like, I don't really, January basketball, not interested. Football's still happening. But my goodness, that was such a fun, fun NBA title. Uh, first of all, Milwaukee getting a championship and, and Giannis winning his first ever. You know, Giannis, the Greek freak, uh, was a guy who I remember for years saying, like, is this the year that he can carry his team to a championship and and show that he can be more than just a great player? And he finally did that, and that was awesome. And I also, I really, I was, I mean, I was frankly was rooting for the Suns. I liked what Phoenix had going. Chris Paul, um, it was uh, the driving force between me rooting for them. I really wanted to see Chris Paul win a world title. And uh, I don't know. It was just a really fun NBA Finals. I look back on that fondly. It was a good series. I remember... um, just being invested, having a good time. And, uh, I mean, Devin Booker was streaky, and I, I just – I don't remember I, – I, I don't remember details of that championship very well. I just remember having a really good time and uh, being very, very happy. Like, no matter who won, it was a good story, whether it's Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton and that, that team that they built in Phoenix or Milwaukee. But I wanted the Suns to win. However, I was very happy to see Milwaukee – and Giannis get his first ever championship with the Bucks. That was pretty cool. And uh, like he was, him and Chris Middleton were the only people there from the year they were like really horrible a long time ago. And they really built something cool in Milwaukee. And if you don't follow Giannis Atenekumpo on social media, um, he's a great follow, man. He, he's a guy who, he's an immigrant and uh, he shares like 
his journey experiencing American stuff on social media, like his first time getting, I don't know, a, a, a blizzard or something, right? And or he went to he went to a Taylor Swift concert. And that was I love that. I love that for Giannis. And he seems like a really cool dude who's just enjoying his life and enjoying the status he has in his life and the money and the um and not in a in a very wholesome way enjoying the the money he's had and the, the success he's had. And I, I I don't know how anyone could hate on Giannis. Seems like a great dude and is a very, very easy person to like. Uh now also last year we had the NFL draft, the twenty twenty one NFL draft. Trevor Lawrence was drafted number one overall. Zach Wilson was drafted number two overall. Then Trey Lance, the 49ers, drafted him number three overall. Three quarterbacks all in a row, one, two, and three. Then with the 11th pick, Justin Fields went to Chicago. And with the 15th pick, Mac Jones went to New England. A couple other noteworthy guys. Uh, Rashawn Slater, who went to the Chargers 13th overall. He's an amazing left tackle. Maybe he's been arguably uh, the rookie of the year on offense. Like, I think the rookie of the year for offense and defense, Rashawn Slater is the rookie of the year on offense. And uh, number 12 overall pick, Micah Parsons, has been the defensive rookie of the year easily. Like, he might even be the defensive player of the year, literally. Uh, Also, Jamar Chase was drafted number five overall, and Jalen Waddell drafted number six overall. Jalen Waddell went to Miami. Jamar Chase went to Cincinnati. Uh, All these guys have made a huge impact. Um, Rashawn Slater, like, what not the first left tackle picked, but a Panay Sewell was what I thought that so I thought Panay Sewell would be what Rashawn Slater is. Rashawn Slater is a shutdown left tackle who is dominating in the NFL, and that shouldn't happen for a rookie player to do as well as he is. And then Micah Parsons, uh, arguably, he, he might win both rookie of the year and defensive player of the year all in the same year. Uh, Jamar Chase has been. I've said it over and over again, but the thing about Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati that I I did not expect. I knew he'd be good. I knew he'd set records and be a great receiver. I did not believe that he was going to lead to Cincinnati winning more games. And he absolutely made an impact and has helped Cincinnati win more. And that's pretty cool. Jalen Waddell um, is like the only good thing Miami has on offense. He's catching everything, getting a ton of yards. Um... Jalen Waddle's like, two has been up and down, and I don't know what the future is for him, but Jalen Waddle has been a massive success for the Dolphins. And also, the Dolphins drafted really well last year. Um, you know, Jalen Phillips, uh, Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, like they're killing it. And uh, I'm very interested in Miami and what they're doing this year. And they, they had that, you know, they started one and seven, then went, got all the way back to seven or eight and seven they won seven games in a row after they lost seven games in a row pretty crazy there um but the nfl draft you know i thought that zach wilson was the best quarterback in the draft going in zach wilson and trevor lawrence have both been not very good and not very exciting to watch uh mac jones has played very very well as a a rookie quarterback and he's leading his team to the playoffs and uh i think he's been the best quarterback so far although again it's he's on the best team of every quarterback that was drafted by uh, as a rookie this year Trey Lance has not played very much. I still have hope he's going to turn into something great. Justin Fields needs a new coach and a new GM, but I, I hope that with that, Justin Fields will become the franchise quarterback in Chicago. One more noteworthy story from the draft is that uh, Houston drafted Davis Mills in the third round out of Stanford. And I didn't make a film analysis video of him. I didn't. I watched a little bit, little bit of his film, but I was kind of not sure, and I... 
I didn't want to say something negative about him because it was pretty high risk, low reward. Because I was like, I, you know, Davis Mills might work out. He's got some good film and does some good stuff. I just kind of was like, let's see how it plays out. I didn't say anything about it. Um, he's been awesome. Like, I, I think Houston found a franchise quarterback in the third round, actually, by drafting Davis Mills. And what he's done there with the talent they have, which isn't much in Houston, is impressive. And I actually think Davis Mills has put together better performances than Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence multiple times this year. Um, and it's it's crazy he was a third-round pick because he looks like a steal in the draft uh, last year in 2021. Also last year, 2021, we had a crazy battle in Formula One. Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. I, oh my gosh. Uh, one of the highlights of my life, actually, watching the battle between Max and Lewis fighting for first. And it came down to the final race in Formula One and had a crazy controversial ending that I think will always be controversial, <laughs> where it, it felt like Formula One did. Like, as a Max fan, I was happy, but it felt like the rules got bended a little bit to help Max uh, get a victory over Lewis Hamilton. And. Um, I, you know, people are saying Lewis is thinking about retiring. I don't think he is. I think he's just taking a break and going, you know, going kind of, kind of quiet, uh, which is him just, you know, you spend a whole year racing and in the public eye, I would imagine Lewis wants some time alone to be quiet, do him, do his own thing. He's coming back. I'm not worried about that, but whether you agree with the outcome or not, which I, I, I actually, I really more agree with anyone who thinks the outcome was kind of unfair. Because it was. I just was I was happy because I like Max Verstappen. And I, I really like seeing Max win a world title. Him and his dad. That was just a cool moment. I'm glad to see Red Bull actually challenge. And maybe that's the story, really. It was cool to see Red Bull actually legitimately challenge Mercedes this year. And, and look, Max led more laps than anyone combined. Than ever than Max led more laps during Formula One last year than everyone else combined. And uh I don't know, man. I uh I just I wanted to give a shout out because it was I've really come to love Formula One and I never thought I would I was never like a guy like oh right I'm not a car guy like not really I, I appreciate a good car and I uh, I'm actually like a Toyota fan for life I think Toyotas are the best engines they're just reliable they're safe they um, I, yeah I just I, I will always buy Toyota cars I think they're the the best made uh, car in the world uh, as far as reliability and, and you get more, you know, bang for your buck and you get what you pay for. They're a little more expensive, but they're like the luxury is that it's peace of mind compared to like a Chevy or a Ford or, um, got a Dodge. Like a Jeep. Don't buy a Jeep. Like if you get anything from this entire episode, listen to me on this, listen to, listen to your uncle Zach. <laughs> I used to work at a, a mechanic shop. I'm not a car guy, but I did. A, I was like the guy who like did the tires and would change the oil. Like I was very, I did very little. I didn't like diagnose any problems really, but I could change the oil and like pump up the tires and do very little like small stuff. I was like the. I worked at a. a what do I can I say? Yeah, I worked at a Jiffy Loop, right? So I worked at a car wash, and then uh, I would work weekends at the other side. I would wash cars during the week, and then on weekends I'd go work at the Jiffy Lube and change oil and do stuff like that. And I saw a lot. I wasn't a mechanic at all. I was more of like a lube technician where you you add like coolant and stuff like just dealing with the fluids for a car. But here's what I learned in that experience, and I, I want you to hear this fully. Never 
ever, ever buy a Jeep. Do not buy a Jeep. They are pieces of garbage. <laughs> they have transmission problems. They have every problem you can imagine. And in my time being around cars, spent I, I worked there for three years. I was around cars every day. Uh, look, the most reliable car you can buy, by far, is a Toyota. Then I'd probably put Honda right after that. They're also really good, but uh, I think Toyota is better and got better models that I'm more interested in. Um, but Toyota, man, they're a great car manufacturer. They're awesome. I'm not just like a fan. I, I've been around it. I've spent time. I've, I've worked on cars, and I've seen what has the most problems, what has the fewest problems, and Toyota has the fewest Jeeps, like the, a Jeep Wrangler. Oh, my gosh. There, I've never seen a car have more problems in my life than a Jeep Wrangler. Like, brand new car. Like, Dodge is just not a good manufacturer. I, I'm pretty sure they're owned by Dodge. And, um, like, they'll have problems that, you know, you're, you buy a brand new car and a year later, things that are totally, uh, totally unacceptable to break. Like, your, your transmission will already be slipping. You're like, I bought this car a year ago. Like, how is my transmission having problems already? It's ridiculous. And uh, if you need any further example that Toyota's great, and, I, I, and it's a sports podcast, but I'm Whatever. I'm doing my thing. Uh, there's a video by Whistlin' Diesel called Toyota Hilux Test Number 4. And it's him, like, putting a Toyota Hilux through challenges. And that's an old car from, like, the 90s. He beats the living tar out of it, and it's fine. I dropped the mic. Toyota's great. Also in 2021, Drew Brees retired. And Drew Brees was someone – so my, my the most influential quarterbacks in my entire life – were Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. And I feel people always say, like, you compare everybody to Drew Brees. Here's why I compare almost every quarterback to Drew Brees is that Drew Brees did so many little technical things right. He wasn't the tallest, he had a weak arm, but his footwork is great, his decision making was great, he put the ball in the right spot, he was very accurate. Everything that Drew Brees could control, he dominated. And we lost it great. I mean, I, he's not dead or anything. He's actually broadcasting and doing a great job. But it, it was sad to watch him retire. I really, he was the most, the most or one of the most influential players in my entire life. Again, Tom Brady was my idol. Peyton Manning taught me how to throw a football. And I, I regret that because I, I had a bad throwing motion because of Tom Brady. And as I've, I still throw a football all the time now. And as I've evolved my mechanics, I look way more like Drew Brees, where I'm really heavily separating my arms in a 90 degree angle rather than way over my head and Little stuff like that, but um, Drew Brees, man, you know, I compare a lot of quarterbacks to Drew Brees because he had so many good habits that every quarterback should find ways to duplicate and replicate, and uh, he is like the gold standard for quarterbacks who were immobile and couldn't run around. He just did everything so, so well, and uh, I, I really I really admire the career Drew Brees had, and I uh, I miss him in the NFL. Also last year, uh, there were two big trades. Matthew Stafford got traded to the Rams, and Carson Wentz got traded to Philadelphia. Uh, Matthew Stafford, that trade has been – it's worked well. He's, they're winning and dominating. But I, I really want to say now, as we go into the playoffs, I'm very worried that Matthew Stafford has some bad habits that are going to hold him back from major success in the NFL this year. And I – I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl because of the boneheaded mistakes that Matthew Stafford will make. Like he, he makes some amazing plays and does some amazing stuff. And then also occasionally just has some head scratches that you're like, I don't know what 
that was? That was a bad decision. That was a bad throw. That was inaccurate. That was into triple coverage. Like, what did you see? I don't know. Uh, and, and Carson Wentz is the same way. Carson Wentz had a touchdown against, I believe, the Raiders last week where he threw the ball into double coverage in the end zone, should have got picked off. Instead of getting picked off, it bounced out of a defender's hands and got caught for a touchdown. And you're like, that's, that's Carson Wentz in a nutshell. So Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford, uh, I think both of them have been good trades. They got their team a quarterback, and I think Stafford is better than Jared Goff, but uh, Stafford has been a little bit, I think more, I knew what Carson Wentz was, and the price was a lot lower. The price for Carson was a first-round pick, and you know that, that's fine. The, car, the, the, tra- the, the cost for Stafford was, well, I guess you got rid of Jared Goff, which is, I guess that's good. That contract was pretty bad. Um, but you gave up, you got, you know, three first-round picks for that. Uh, and was it three or two? I mean, whether, whether you're counting Jared Goff as one of the picks or not, I don't know. <laughs> you know I, I don't remember if it's three picks or two. But either way, um, the Rams paid a hefty price to get, Jared, to, to get Matthew Stafford. And I don't think he's been as good as I hoped he would be, actually. I thought it was going to be – they're going to be the number one seed and a home run to win the Super Bowl, and they haven't been. They've been good, and they're going to win their division, I think, and uh, have a shot at a Super Bowl. But the Rams have been all in, and I worry that Stafford's mistakes are going to hold them back. Uh, also, hey, at the end of 2021, USC hired Lincoln Riley to be their new head coach. And it will look back on that hiring, I, I hope, as a moment that – USC was brought back to prominence in college football. I'm excited about this move, man. I really, I want USC to be good. College football is better when USC is entertaining and can win and is interesting. And uh, some of the hires he's made already, he's been poaching good coaches from other programs. And uh, they got a good running back coach. They got the, they also got the Michigan defensive line coach. Like they are making good hires and wheeling and dealing at USC. And I, I hope that we always look back at 2021 as one of the years that a major, major college football program was brought back to the forefront of the college football world, USC. And I, man, uh, Lincoln Riley went from, instead of going to the SEC, the Pac-12. And if you can't win the Pac-12 at USC with Lincoln Riley's status, um, I'd be a massive failure. But I, you know, for years, USC has had, uh, I don't mean any offense to Clay Helton. But they've had a very mediocre head coach at a program that should not be mediocre. And now they get a high-level coach who is a rock star coach and a, a great recruiter. And, oh, man, I, uh, I, really, I really hope we get to see USC return to dominance and maybe make a college football playoff appearance sooner than later. Um, and, and I hope we get what I – hope, I hope Lincoln Riley can bring what was the Pete Carroll era to USC, which is just a, a dominating force maybe – I just want them to win and be at the top and challenging Ohio State, challenging Alabama, challenging Georgia. And uh, I want to see USC. If we can get USC back to being good and then Texas back to being good, I'd be very, very happy. That's what I want from college football. College football is better when Texas and USC are at the top. And at one point, they played each other in a national title. We're so removed from that. But this was the first move that got USC back on track to being a big national powerhouse. Hey, also, uh, last year in the NBA, during the NBA playoffs, we got a fun moment where 
Trey Lance, not Trey Lance, not Trey Lance. Ah, Trey Lance is the quarterback. Trey Young, Trey Young, the Atlanta Hawks young star, was on the road in the playoffs against the New York Knicks. And it was him, Trey Young, against all the New York fans. And F Trey Young, F Trey Young. And he's like, he's like pumping him up, like, yeah, bring it on. And they, you know, just, oh my gosh, it was such a fun battle. I, I look back on that moment. Um, Trey Young against the fans in New York with such fondness. It was such a cool, special moment uh, for him and for the NBA in general, just to have a, a player take on a city. And uh, oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. I want more of that stuff. Um, I don't mind a hostile crowd, and I like that Trey Lance – not Trey Lance. Ah, Trey Young. I like that Trey Young leaned into that moment and enjoyed the hate and said, all right, you mother effers. Like, you know, and just, he got the last laugh and for him to handle that moment as well as he did with the poise he did and to really kind of relish the moment, enjoy the hatred he was getting. Um, says a lot about him and his competitive nature. And I, I really thought that was one of my favorite sports moments of the year. Last year in 2021 was the Knicks fans booing Trey Young and him just like leaning into it and like, going, yeah, what's up guys? Like just kind of, Basking in the hatred was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of baseball last year. Shohei Otani was amazing. Uh, made the All-Star, was a pitcher, hit home runs, like did incredible stuff. But my favorite baseball moment last year and one of the only games – I watched like – man, I watched like four games last year. I watched almost no baseball. And part of it's because I was moving and going through like a really traumatic breakup. And uh, I think that, that breakup was really like eight months in the making and um, – I almost wonder if my move to Hawaii was kind of a – it was like a distraction from my relationship having problems, you know, probably. So I was – summer last year, busy and depressed. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of baseball, but I I watched the Major League Baseball All-Star game, particularly the Home Run Derby. And that is where I discovered my new favorite baseball player, Juan Soto, plays for the Nationals. And I just – Juan Soto's approach to baseball is pretty cool. He's got this – he, when he's down in the county, widens his stance to make it harder to throw a strike on him. He fights off pitches. He fouls. He has long at bats and challenges pitchers. And um, in 2021, I discovered my favorite baseball player, Juan Soto. A lot of people will show Hey Atani, and that's, I totally get it. I get why. But I, I really like Juan Soto, who he is, his approach to baseball, his approach to batting. Uh, and in 2021, I became a Juan Soto fan. Um, before we get into questions from the audience, questions, really comments on their favorite moments. I want to tell you three strong opinion sports moments that were fun. Uh, I did the SOS Awards last year in 2021. I bought these trophies that were like, it was expensive. It was it was like 700 bucks to get the amount of trophies I got, which really like 70 bucks a trophy. I, I, I just, I, in my head, I'm like, it's a business expense. And it was, it was a tax write off, but my gosh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to do that ever again. It was a lot to manage. It was a lot to like, it was a lot of hardware, literally. Like, what do you do with, I, and I was going to send them off, but then it, the cost of sending them off were like, it was just ballooning. I'm like, I don't want to spend this much money on trophies. And I, I was already in over my head and I was like, I just, oh my gosh. So I, I'm not going to do trophies again this year. I don't think maybe in the future, but not, not right now. And, um, I'll probably like make a little, uh, an image like, uh, you know, Tom Brady, quarterback of the year, like, and, and I'll make him like a graphic instead of paying 70 bucks a trophy, right? Uh, but I want to look back on that because it was a weird lesson. It did, again, like, I, 
I spend money on the business when I can because it is a tax write-off. Like, I would rather spend it making the show better than giving it away to the government. I, I, I hate our government, uh, and I hate taxes. I just don't like any of that stuff. Um, but I, uh, I, the SOS Awards were, I thought, good and fun. They weren't a success like I thought they would be. They didn't get as much uh, notoriety, listens, anything like that. But um, I'll always look back on 2021 and go, oh, those stupid trophies. Like, I, I, was a, I thought a good idea, and uh, it didn't work out as well as I thought it would, but um, a good time. And I, I'm curious what I'll do. I don't exactly know what I'm going to do for award season this year. I want to do some kind of award show after the Super Bowl. I don't know what I'll do yet, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm still formulating my plan, and uh, I'm excited for that this year in 2022. Uh, I also interviewed Ryan Leaf last year. I don't like doing interviews very much. Uh, they're a hassle. They're hard to connect with people. It's, you're often dealing with people who are not um, very good on camera. I, I notice I, you know, I don't interview a lot of people. I interview people that I think are interesting. Interesting people aren't necessarily good on camera. Ryan Leaf is great on camera. Ryan Leaf is a guy who's broadcasted a ton. Uh, it was a highlight for me. I went to Washington State for a while, and uh, he was a quarterback there. Former number two overall pick right behind Peyton Manning, and we talked about addiction. We talked about... Um, and I don't know if it's an interview so much as a conversation between me and Ryan Leaf, but it was awesome and kind of a, a fun little highlight of my career and a uh, very much a cool moment. Go back and listen to that interview if you want. It's not perfect. I I think I've – I try to get better every time I do an interview, learning more and more and how to listen, how to do my best. But I uh, it was a fun interview and I, uh, a heavy hitter as well. Number 16, uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about about myself before we get into – the audience stuff. I moved to Hawaii and man, I, I tried to live my year in 2021 beginning to end by following my heart, beginning with an engagement, um, moving to the place I love, my favorite place on planet earth, which is Hawaii. Um, then, um, calling off my engagement and, and um, doing what I think was the right thing then and, and just every step of the way I, I try to it's really hard to listen to your heart um, but life is really short and I don't want to live years of my life wanting and yearning for something and, and not going after it, being afraid of going after it and I uh, I don't know man I you know I, I, so I'm, I've got this idea to go live in a van and, and I'm, I'm very excited. Like, I think it's going to be great for the business. It's going to be, I can go to football games and go meet people. I can interview people, you know, where they, go to them instead of having to do Zoom calls. And um, I want to live on the road. And I've got a great way to set up and record there. I'm building, I got my own van build in my head and I, I'm going to build a desk and it'll be great. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people in my life are like, hey, you should put it off one more year. Stay in Hawaii, enjoy Hawaii. It's a great place to live. Wait one more year before you do that. And I, I hear that. I think they're worried about me rushing off to do another thing. But I, a year feels like such a long time to put off a dream. And living in a van was something I've wanted to do since I was 12 years old. And I never thought it was possible. And the more I, as an adult, look around the world and go, well, oh, wait, I can live in Hawaii. I can live in a van. I can drive to the, all over the country and, and make my show. And the more I've I kind of looked at possibilities and realized I'm, I'm just my – preconceived notions were wrong, it is possible. The more I'm like, well, now I got to do it. I, <laughs> I don't want to live my life thinking about what could have been. I, I want to go for it. And uh, so anyway, let's get into questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. You can go to patreon.com 
Uh, and patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. It gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. I guess this is Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show. It's where I read those questions from the audience. A dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on the podcast. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee, I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. Question number one today, that's not a question. It's a statement. Griffin's favorite moment from 2021 in sports. Griffin says, it was definitely Steph becoming the three-point record holder and officially the greatest shooter of all time. Steph changed the way the game is played more than anyone. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I, you know, Steph Curry's influence on basketball is going to always be felt. And I remember when I played basketball as a kid, my coach would say, and look, of course, he was, I, I was never like a great three-point shooter. But even to the great three-point shooters, he'd say, you better take the layup every time. It's always better than a three. And, and Steph Curry is like, actually, mathematically, it's better to shoot a three. I, I'm more likely to make a three, and um, you get more points. Basketball's forever changed, and it's, I, I just I really agree. I think it's been pretty cool to see him. And um, Like, LeBron didn't change the way the game was played. LeBron actually had to adapt to what Steph Curry was doing and learn how to shoot threes better. So I uh, totally, absolutely agree. Brandon says, it's not necessarily a moment, but moments of undrafted and late-round players who on normal occasions would never see the field. But with the Rona causing so many players to get sidelined, they were finally able to live their dreams. Players like Mike White or Elijah Mitchell were able to live the dream and play on the big stage. And rather, this is the first of many or the only time it's beautiful they were able to tell their grandkids one day, I played in the NFL. Brandon, I uh, grammatically fell off a little bit there, but I, I totally agree. It's been really cool to see guys who would not have gotten opportunities before. Elijah Mitchell's the best example I could think of where he's the 49ers starting running back who was not expected to do anything in the NFL. Uh, and uh, there have been a couple stories like that of guys who just got a shot because of the Rona and uh, did well. And Brandon, what a great write-in. I really totally agree with you there. Nick says, uh, my favorite moment was Padres reliever Daniel Camarena getting a grand slam off of Max Scherzer in his hometown of San Diego at his first MLB at bat after 11 years in the minors. Doesn't get much more epic than that. Yeah, look it up. It's pretty crazy. I watched, I remember talking about this on the show. Um, a guy, like, imagine you're in your hometown, right, in front of your family. You've been, I don't know if failure is the right word, but it's 11 years in the minors would be really hard to swallow. Like, how many times did he think about giving up baseball and saying, like, you know, I got to go. Time to move on. Time to make money. The fact that he kept going and just kept enjoying baseball enough to stick around is pretty cool. And all that hard work got paid off because he's a pitcher, by the way, a reliever. Padres reliever, Daniel Camarena. He had a grand slam off of Max Scherzer in his first ever major league at bat. Amazing, amazing moment. Ultimate A says, my favorite moment was the Bucks winning the NBA title. Giannis is such a great guy to root for, and for a small market like Milwaukee to get a major sports championship was great. Plus, big city teams were left out of the finals. Haha. <laughs> yeah, so it's Phoenix and Milwaukee, which is pretty cool. And uh, I already talked about that, but I wanted to read that ultimate day. A lot of people wrote in about that, actually. It was a huge moment in sports, and um, watching Giannis get his first title in the NBA was very, very exciting and very, very cool. And uh, he's a really easy person to like and root for. I, wrote, I talked about this too, but Devin wrote in and said, it's not a sports moment, it's a strong opinion sports moment. I've been watching Zach for a few years now, time flies, and one of his biggest dreams was to move to Hawaii. And he made it happen this year. He was so 
G-dang inspirational. Thank you, Devin. It was a... I, dude, I'm enjoying my life. I, uh... Oh, you know, life is so simple here. I record my show. I work all the time. And when I'm not working, I'm on vacation. When I'm not working, I'm at the beach swimming or watching the sunset or going for a walk or reading a book. Uh, and I work a lot. And so to live somewhere that is peaceful and relaxing when I'm not working. And frankly, my favorite place on the planet Earth is, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's a dream come true. It's something I've wanted for years and years and years. And so I, ne- I always told myself it wasn't possible. And then I got this crazy good deal on an apartment, and the internet's faster than I thought it would be, and I, my bills are actually lower here than they were in Portland, and I'm like, well, um, <laughs> I got no excuse not to do it. So I did it, and I pulled the trigger, and it was scary. It was hard. Oh, my God, it was so hard. Financially, emotionally, stressful, logistically, everything. It was so hard. Um, but we're here now, and uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. You know, I, I'm going to be here in this apartment for the rest of this, you know, lease is up. And then I might either stay for another year or go live in a van. Ultimately, my dream is to buy property in Hawaii. You can buy cheap property on the big island. And uh, that's what I want to do. That's where I, when I buy property someday and settle down, that's where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do and uh, have a little shack in the jungle and make strong opinion sports that way. Um, we're probably two, three years away from that, but it's my plan. It really is. And I'm excited about that. So um, I, I would say three to five years, actually, because I, I might do another year here, then probably three years on the road, and then property. But um, it's uh, <sighs> got you got to follow your heart and uh, listen to your, your dreams in your life. The next one is from uh, Teddy says, I am an Atlanta Falcons fan. And they're hardly ever in Wisconsin for obvious reasons. However, this year, I was able to afford NFL Sunday ticket with a student discount. So I was able to watch them every week. The emergence of Corderell Patterson as a great player has been really fun to watch. Vikings fans, let me know if I have just been missing out, but he's one of my favorite players of all time after one year. Teddy, that's awesome, dude. Um, I didn't even know Sunday ticket had a student discount. I, I think that's kind of a cool thought because that's like a very adult move to get your own... Um, Cable package, right? Like, that's kind of, I would imagine for you, I, I, would, I think you're in college, sounds like it's probably one of the first, like, things you've done as an adult for yourself, and that, that's awesome. And I, uh, I don't know, man. That's cool. Well done. I hope you enjoyed it. That sounds like a really, to have a favorite team you get to finally watch uh, every game on would be uh, such a cool moment in life. And I, Teddy, well done. I'm really happy for you. Uh, next one's from Piers. He says, for me, it was probably week six, the Patriots versus the Cowboys. After throwing a pick six to Diggs, Mac Jones goes right back at Diggs on the next play for a 75-yard touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. It was really cool to see a rookie quarterback show that kind of confidence. Uh, yeah, Mac Jones, part of why he's succeeding is because he's on the best team for any you know of all the rookie quarterbacks. But also, like, dude, his mindset, his, his approach to the game, his poise, he doesn't look like a rookie quarterback hardly at all. And... Uh, has he got a lot of help? Absolutely. Is he on a great team? Absolutely. But uh, Mac Jones has been a really fun storyline to follow this year, and watching him do well is very, very cool. Leon writes in and says, For me, the most important thing that happened in the sports world in 2021 was the retirement of Drew Brees. Legend in our franchise forever. The Saints have a decent future with Jameis Winston, but we'll have to see how he comes back from the injury. Leon, yeah, you guys... Uh, 
You're a Saints fan. I want to go to New Orleans really bad. Never been. I want to. I want to. I, I regret not being able to see Drew Brees play um, in person in my lifetime. But I, I got to watch him play so many times on TV with my dad. And uh, go read Drew Brees' book, Coming Back Stronger. A lot of good wisdom there. If you play the quarterback position, Coming Back Stronger by Drew Brees is a great book. Uh, I read it like the Bible when I was a kid. And, uh, oh, man, I'm going to miss Drew Brees. I already talked about it a lot, but I, I'm going to miss him. Caleb says, my favorite moment of 2021 was Esteban Akon winning his first F1 race. It's hard to get an F1 and harder if you don't have much financial support. Akon being able to not only return to F1, but give good performances is great for the sport the win was the peak of his overall year. And I think, frankly, between you and me, uh, the peak of his career so far. Very cool. Esteban Ocon, who, by the way, got a lot of help from his teammate Fernando Alonso all year. And I remember Fernando Alonso backing people up and protecting that lead that Ocon had. Um, it was huge for Alpine. It was huge for Ocon. And, and by the way, F1 is a sport that is dominated by... How do I say this politely? Um... Guys with rich dads. I mean, like, Lance Stroll's da- dad is a billionaire. Nikita Mazepin's dad is a billionaire. Uh, Mick Schumacher. Love him. His dad's Michael Schumacher. Max Verstappen, my favorite driver. His dad's Jos Verstappen. Like, it's a very, very small group of people that get to drive an F1, and a lot of it is connections and money. Esteban Alcon didn't grow up very wealthy. He didn't grow up with a ton of money. His family lived in a, a caravan, basically, to help him pursue that dream. Uh, so that was, it's cool to see him, a, a, a guy with more, him and Lewis Hamilton are are the guys that come to mind most out of humble beginnings in Formula One, who didn't come from a ton of money, didn't come from a ton of notoriety, uh, but worked hard for their dreams. And Esteban Ocon, man, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, that moment was a culmination of so much of his family supporting him and being all in on his dream as a child. And, uh, very, very cool moment at Formula One. I totally agree with you, Caleb. Matt says, big college football fan here. Best moment was either Texas A&M beating Alabama to make Jimbo the first former assistant to beat Saban or Kansas beating Texas in overtime at home. Um, dude, that, that Kansas win. <sighs> Man, oh my gosh, that, that was so fun. I really, I don't know what even happened to Kansas after that game. I didn't follow the rest of their year, but I, uh, I remember that game. I had a lot of fun. And uh I, you know, that was a, a big landmark victory for Texas A&M as well because I thought it was the first time they really got validation that they hired the right guy. And we, already, we always knew Jimbo Fisher was a good hire there, I thought. But it was kind of the first step of, of progress being shown. Like, hey, no, we're, we're going to be – we're on our way to becoming a top-tier program in college football. And uh, right now I'd rather go to Texas A&M than Texas for sure. And that's interesting in a statement, and I, uh, I'm excited for the future for Jimbo Fisher there. In College Station. Jonas says, seeing the Detroit Lions win a game and all my friends back in Detroit going absolutely ballistic that they won a single game. Detroit's fans of all sports are just a different breed. That's Jonas' favorite moment of 2021. Uh, The Lions winning a game. Um, (laughs) I don't know, man. The Lions are the new Cleveland Browns of the NFL. They're the bottom of the barrel. And... Detroit got their playoff win last year. And, and, I, and I've said for years, like, Cleveland is a little engine that could. I've always wanted Cleveland to do well. And after Cleveland got a playoff win, I lost all that energy. I'm like, ah, oh, well, they've done it now. Like, they don't, I, the story isn't as compelling anymore. I don't really care if they 
do well from here on out. They got one good playoff win. That was a uh, beyond my wildest dreams for Cleveland fans. Now my, my energy for that has shifted towards Detroit. Now I want to see Detroit make the playoffs and make get a playoff win. And, you know, they got the right coach. Dan Campbell seems awesome. Um, I'm curious if they draft a quarterback. I think they might stick with Jared Goff. I think that's fine. Jared Goff's done some good stuff. But with more help, he might do even better. Um, but I just overall, I really want to see the Lions turn things around and win more games in Detroit. Okay, final one of the day. Peter says, my favorite moment was Shohei Otani winning the MVP in the American League by far. No player since Babe Ruth, and even Babe Ruth himself, didn't have the production Otani had pitching and hitting in the same lineup. Dude has one of the best power bats in the AL. One night he will hit a one night he will hit two 460-foot home runs, and then the next night he will pitch seven innings and let up just two runs on a few hits. The guy is absolutely insane, and this is just the beginning of him single-handedly bringing baseball back to the forefront of sports. I really recommend watching Foolish Baseball's Year of Otani video. Really puts his amazing performance into perspective. I will watch that video. Let me write that down. Year of Otani. That sounds really. That sounds really interesting. I, I like Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is really cool. And uh, remember, he's a designated hitter and pitching, which is just so unique and so cool. And uh, I really, oh man, the fact that he can do both. Uh, he. he I think he led off, if I remember correctly, he led off the world. He was the, the leadoff batter in the World Series and also a starting pitcher, which, like, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I don't know. I love seeing that guy. He, he is bringing more attention to baseball. And, um, he, I mean, I remember, I just, I don't know. He's just so good for baseball. I remember how much media coverage he got and how much, I, I don't, I love baseball as a sport. I don't like Major League Baseball, the league. I was so drawn to watching him. Like, he got me to a television to watch baseball. Every game I watched in 2020, I went to baseball. I only watched, like, four of them. Every single time I watched, it was because Shohei Otani was on. And I was enamored. I'm like, I ha- I'm, I'm too curious, and it's too exciting. I have to watch this. So uh, he might be the best thing I have in a baseball in a long time. And uh, it's also funny that <laughs> the Angels have both Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and are still awful. <laughs> like, what a weird sport baseball is, you know? You can have two of the best players in baseball in the entire world and uh, still be a horrible baseball team. All right, guys, uh, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed my uh, thoughts on the year in sports, 2021. Kind of a look back on what happened, what was good, what was bad. And um, If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to comment. I'm curious what you would add to this. What were your favorite moments that I left out or uh, were there anything that – you wanted to highlight or celebrate from last year in 2021 that didn't get mentioned, please let me know. Uh, in the meantime, I love you. I appreciate you. I dropped my notes. I'm going to go watch. There's a football game on in like 20 minutes. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. But um bum bam We are done.